Okay, recording. Let's do it. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Hello. 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 Wow, it's a lot more daunting being up here than down there. <laughs> um, tonight, uh, we're going to talk about identity in Christ. And it is, as I have discovered preparing this, it is a massive subject. Um, as I was preparing it, I realize just how many things um, in the Christian life come off this subject of identity and it is I've just well I haven't just realized but it's confirmed to me just how important it is for us to know our identity in Christ um, the only place I can start is actually Jesus because your whole identity is in him. And he is the only place I can start to talk from and I, it's the only place that I will stay at. Um, because our identity is actually found in Jesus and what he has done for us. Um, so tonight, we're just gonna do more like a foundation overview. Um, this subject is massive. I, I can really only stick to one point. I can't go left, right and centre because it, it is massive. So I just really sense tonight that I really want to just lay some foundations down. Um, I call them like building blocks in our lives. Um, if we have a firm foundation of truth in, of God's word in our lives, um, it really helps us to mature as saints and allows our roots to go down deep so that we're like strong, righteous oak trees. Um, Next week, what we'll do is we will do a more of a, a practical um, time together where we'll yeah, see how this kind of works out in, in our lives and what it looks like to live in another kingdom realm. So very exciting. So I just want to go off the back of Nathan last week. Nathan was talking about how God is good. And um, Nathan mentioned last week that we are image bearers and that has always been the plan of God that we bear the image of him even when that got kind of distorted in the fall it was always the plan it always will be the plan we are made in the image of God not that we are God but we have his nature so you can think about it as we kind of reflect him we're like a mirror you know, I love when um, Jesus in the Gospels, he says, oh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And we could put our name in there, you know. If you've seen Cassie, you've seen the Father. We could also put the church. If you've seen the church, oh, you've seen the Father. So it's a really big statement. Um, has a lot of weight to it. and um, But that has always been that beautiful plan of God for us to be in family with God, for us to bear his name, for us to be made in the image of God. And um, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, there was this purity and this innocence of relationship. They didn't have to hide. They didn't have to cover themselves up in their nakedness. There was such purity of relationship they had this beautiful innocence of just walking with God in the cool of the afternoon. Um, the fellowship was one of peace. They had freedom to love each other and love God. They had freedom to tend the garden and um, yeah, multiply and rule over, the, rule over it. Um, there was just a, such a beautiful um, purity about the relationship between God and man. Nathan also mentioned last week about the two trees and I just want to pick up on that as well um, before we get into a bit more. Um, the two trees, like one was forbidden and we were discussing last week how God is so good. You know, he is so loving. He is so loving that he gives us free will. When, when people control or someone controls, that's not love. And God never want us to be robots. You know, he, he wanted us to have the freedom to choose. 
and so that that um, tree in the garden, it um, it had to be there. You know, we always think, oh, why was that tree in the garden? Because then they wouldn't have done anything, and then they, we would just still go on. Mm. But that tree had to be in that garden, the tree of good and evil. And God told them, just don't touch it. You can have anything else in the garden. Everything is yours, but just don't touch that tree because you will die. Of course, we know the story. Satan comes and he says, did God actually say to you, you must not eat any tree in the garden, eat from any tree in the garden? So he asks a question. He puts the doubt in there. And then he says a statement. You will not die. So he opposes God's truth. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So God twists God's truth in what God had said to them. Now, Satan is always a liar and he will always put doubts and he will always twist the truth. And the funny thing is, he twisted their identity. He, he twists the subject about their identity. He said, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because then you'll be like God. But the funny thing was, Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God. So Satan, uh, the enemy, even today in the church, will put doubts and will twist and will attack our identity in Christ. Jesus, after his baptism, he was taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. And as he was fasting for 40 days and he grew hungry, the enemy came to tempt him. Guess what the enemy attacked? Jesus' identity. If you are the son of God, get these stones and make them bread. If you are the son of God, throw yourself off because I'm sure the angels will come and pick you up. Worship me and I'll give you the kingdoms. I mean, he was attacking what Jesus is and who he was. Um, he was telling him to worship him. But the amazing thing about Jesus compared to Adam and Eve was Jesus knew who he was and Jesus knew the Father. And this is the key to my talk. If we want to mature as saints, as mature as the church, if we want to be ones that have our roots deep and overcome the enemy, we have to know who God is and we have to know who we are in him. Um, Jesus didn't, like Adam and Eve, Jesus didn't fall into temptation um, because he knew. He knew who his father was and he knew who he was. Uh, probably a chapter back, it said um, he was getting baptised, right? Remember when he was getting baptised? And John the Baptist, Baptist was baptising him and then all of a sudden heaven opened up and Father, God, God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, right? So straight away, God the Father is speaking the identity into his son. Now, when Jesus comes to get tempted, the enemy says, well, if you're the son of God, he doesn't say, if you're the beloved son of God, but Jesus knew he was the beloved. You guys, we are the beloved. And this is the key. We just need to know who we are and who God is. So after the fall, innocence was lost. Disharmony came in between the fellowship between man and, and God. Peace was lost. And um, Romans 5 really spells it out here. This is what happened. Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, the entire world was affected. Sin entered human experience and death was the result. And so death followed this sin, casting its shadow over all humanity because all have sinned. Now we don't have to worry. We know that sin is sin and it has also has consequences in 
uh, to it. But we don't have to worry because God had always had the plan from the beginning um, that he himself in the person and the son of Jesus was going to lay his whole life down for the sins of mankind. And when he did that, all sin was removed and cancelled. All consequences of sin was removed and cancelled. In the Old Testament, they had to choose to get a perfect blemish-free free animal to sacrifice. And then the blood of that animal would cover man's sin. But it wasn't a, perfect, a permanent remedy. So the high priest, he had to keep doing it over and over again. But when the Son of God, Jesus, was the, who is the ultimate perfect sacrifice, where his blood didn't cover the sin, his blood actually removed and cancelled all sin. We now are not bound by the law of sin and death. So what happened in the garden when, Jesus, when God said, do not eat of that tree or you will surely die, right? They did. They spiritually died. When Jesus, the last Adam, died for us, he restored everything back. Now we have been reconciled back to the Father. We have peace with God. You never, ever have to think that God is angry, God is upset with you, God is not pleased with you. You have complete peace with God. In fact, you can come in with such boldness to his throne room and talk to him, pray to him, you know? So that, that peace and that harmony and that innocence has been restored and you have been reconciled back to the Father. Um, let me read... Uh, are you, is this okay? Are you um, kind of following me? Yep. Okay, so let's, let's kind of read Romans 8. It's a really good chapter. So this is what it says in what I'm trying to explain here. Um, so the, now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us, liberated us from the law of sin and death. Totally cancelled out. Hebrews 10. And by this one perfect sacrifice, Jesus, he made us perfectly holy and complete all time. And then he says, I will not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. So if your sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would you ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? Okay, so everything, everything has been dealt with. You now are in a position in Christ in absolute bliss, absolute victory. What he has finished is now your starting point. You now are sitting, I loved actually what Sim said on Sunday, you're sitting on a gold mine. Yeah. You are absolutely in a position in Christ in pure bliss of victory. Psalm 103 is one of my favorite Psalms. I'm gonna read it for the sake of it. it. Yeah. With my whole heart, with my whole life, and with my innermost being, I bow in wonder and love before you, the Holy God. Yahweh, you are my soul's celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? You kiss my heart and for with forgiveness in spite of all I've done. You've healed me inside and out from every disease You've rescued me from hell and saved my life. You've crowned me with love and mercy. You satisfy my every desire with good things. You've supercharged my life so that I can soar again, like a flying eagle in the sky. You're a God who makes things right. 
giving justice to the defensive. When we were in pure darkness, the, 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 um, the, the evilness of what we had been born into, it was that exact time that God demonstrated his love for us, that he died for us in that complete darkness. It wasn't that we were um, on the road to goodness and we were making an effort. We were completely dark and in an evil position. And it was then that God gave his whole life for us and demonstrated that love in rescuing the sinner and putting us into light. Now, I just wanted to set that scene of what God has done. Okay, so I just want you to really um, think about those truths that I've just said in who God is and what he's like and what he's done for us. Um, and then there's us. So in John 3, um, there's this guy, right? He's a Pharisee. His name's Nicodemus. And he, he comes to Jesus um, because he's intrigued. And he's a Pharisee. Um, but one night he discreetly, he comes to Jesus because I suppose, suppose he doesn't want the other Pharisees to know. And he says, Master, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. And Jesus answered, Nicodemus, listen to this internal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. Nicodemus said, rebirth? How can a grey-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for a man to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn. Jesus answered, I speak an internal truth. Unless you are born of water and spirit wind, you will never enter God's kingdom realm. For the natural realm can only give birth to things that are natural. But the spiritual realm gives birth to the supernatural life. When, when we, um, how can I put this? When we become aware and really, really wake up from our slumber to what God has really done for us, um, our eyes are opened and we look at Jesus and we go, whoa, look what you've done for me. Um, and it's at this point in a person's life where the realisation, the light goes on in the darkness, the light goes on, you wake up and you say, you say, Jesus, I love you. And this is the point of rebirthing. It's like this rebirth of a new creature is rising up. It's not so much a striving to get there, it's more like a waking up and being aware of, oh my goodness, I've, for the first time I understand what Jesus has done for me. Lord, what, do I, what must I do to follow you? Um, repent and lay down your life for me. And it's at that point when a man and a woman has an encounter with Jesus and is reborn. And this is, um, it's the re reborn experience is like a repentance moment where um, repent means to change your whole mind like when Jesus came on the scene to do ministry, one of the first things that comes out of his mouth is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm. So what he was saying was, I'm bringing a new kingdom, but you have to repent. You have to change your mind because you're not going to see it in the, na you're not going to see it in the natural. This is a supernatural kingdom and you've got to repent. And so a rebirthing has to occur in a person's life for them to know Jesus, to know who they are, and to see the kingdom realm. Um, we become aware that we are joined to Christ. So all that he is flows through us. 
And there's a spiritual dynamic that occurs here, and it's one of total glory. Look, let me explain to you. I'm not going to read out all these verses because it's too much. But let me explain to you the point of this rebirth. So spiritually, a believer is crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20, is buried with Christ, Colossians 2.12, united with Christ in his resurrection, Romans 6.5, and seated with him in the heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6. Christ is formed in believers, Galatians 4.19, and dwells in our hearts, Ephesians 3.17. The church is the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 6.15, Christ is in us, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, and we are in him, 1 Corinthians 1, 30. Now, I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis because Nathan did it. <laughs> C.S. Lewis, he says, He calls the incarnation of God, the Son, the central miracle of Christianity. I mean, think about that we... The church, right? This is not the church. This building is not the church. This is just four walls and a roof keeping us nice and warm tonight. You, me, we are the church, right? We, the church, are joined to Christ. And um, this is where our identity comes from. So when we talk about identity, we're talking about the new true man. And the new true man is actually in Christ. The old man that we once were in the dark has been buried with God. The new true man has been resurrected with Christ, right? So we now are alive with Jesus. That's why we can shine. That's why we can sit... The brightness of Christ can come out of our lives, right? Because God, Christ, is living through us, right? Um, it is through Christ that he has done everything for us on the cross. We have been justified, reconciled, forgiven, made righteous and made alive. You now have been adopted into the family of God, right? We have received all of Christ's benefits, let me read 1 Corinthians. Where is it? Let me read one. Uh, oh, I haven't got it pinned. I thought I did. I'll just get it up. 1 Corinthians 1.30 And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Your righteousness, your wisdom, your sanctification, your redemption is in the person of Jesus Christ. You are righteous, you are wise, you are sanctified, and you are redeemed because you are in Christ. We are, he, he has saved us, he has made us righteous, he has sanctified us. Now I'm repeating that on purpose because I want you to see the connection of Christ is in us. We are in him, right? We're joined. Now in Ephesians 2, it talks about Christ and the church being one flesh. And in, in Ephesians, Paul kind of relates it to um, marriage. You know, you've got the husband and the wife who become one flesh. That's you and Christ. You're one flesh. So the old man, right? The old man identity doesn't exist anymore, right? The new you, the new created rebirth person is the true you, but it's in Christ. Now, I want to share a little bit of a testimony about myself. I'm only going to share a little bit because I don't want to go on and on, but I didn't understand this teaching um, quite a few years ago. I have grown up in the church all my life and um, when I look back now on my journey with God, thank goodness he is full of mercy, um, <laughs> I can see the religious path that I actually went down. 
you know when you don't know what you're doing when you're doing it, but then when in hindsight you look back and you can see, oh, that was what, that was what, <laughs> you know? So I discovered that many years ago, um, I discovered the religious, religious lie. And, and the religious lie, it goes something like this. It says, you must do something to be holy or to gain holiness. Um, the minute you do that, you have actually trusted in yourself and not in Christ and his finished work that he has done. And Paul calls that kind of works mentality, that performance, um, he calls it manure. I mean, I would actually like to say the word crap. So I'll say crap. <laughs> so <laughs> Paul calls that poo, dung, right? It's because the only one who can perform perfectly and without a glitch is Christ. So the minute you try and do something to gain your, to get more holy or to, to gain holiness or, your, or to get more righteous, um, is the minute that you have now entered into works. And I was under that oppression for many, many years. Um, and it's a really destructive path, a path to go down because what it does, what that religious lie over you does, is it robs your identity of who you really are. Our, there, there is no performance right there's nothing that we could do to get more holy to get more righteous right our performance even if it's really 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 good is not going to do it we are centered and we are joined to christ and he has our right he is our righteousness he is our justification he is our sanctification he is our wisdom right it's his performance he perfected it all, right? We were never meant to perform. We were never meant to strive and, and say, oh God, if I do this, will you love me more? Mm. No, mm. we were never meant to perform. We can't, we were never meant to strive. The Christian life isn't meant to be hard. It's meant to be full of victory and joy and wonder and just beautiful, you know? But we have to see this I am one with Christ and it's him. He's done it all for me. Um, there was another lie that I was under and I don't know how you're going to take this because I've just got to make sure I word it properly. Um, that we kind of have, sometimes we get into the mentality in our Christian walk that we have to strive to get more fullness of God, right? Or We've got to get more of him. Um, and I understand what people are saying. Like they often in the Christian circle, we hear the word pressing in or seeking God. And they're all correct words, right? But when we press into God and when we're seeking God, it's not in a sense to try and obtain something. It is... It is an awareness of what he has done and what we have become. Do you see the difference? Yeah, so it's not that we're striving to become something. It's like we are sitting at rest, aware and have woken up to, oh my goodness, Lord, you have done it all. And we are sitting in, in that with him in Christ. Um, let me read to, to Colossians um, 9 to 10. I'm going to read a lot of the word tonight because it really solidifies what I'm trying to say tonight. Um, to, uh, Colossians 2, 9 to 10. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. So Christ is in us. And our own completeness is not found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. 
Now, I understand the songs that we sing, Lord, I want more of you, Holy Spirit, come. Like, I understand where we're trying to lead, go as a church in those songs. But half of me is thinking to myself, we've got to be careful with the words we use. Because if we've got new believers in our gathering, or we've got pre-believers in our gathering, we don't want them to think, oh, I've got to do this to get more of God. It, 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 is, it is an awareness of, I'm in Christ, he's done it all. Now, am I saying that we don't do spiritual disciplines? I'm not saying that at all. You know, like spiritual disciplines would be reading the word, praying, fasting, um, meditating on the word, uh, declaring, you know, the word promises. These are not bad things. These are, these are wonderful things in the Christian life. But we don't do these spiritual disciplines to try and obtain something. We do these spiritual disciplines because we love God. Do you see the difference? Yeah. Because we love him. I love your word, Lord. I love what it says. You know, it's like this mirror I'm looking into. Oh my goodness, look who I am. It's so funny, you know, because for the last three years, I have been stuck in Paul's letters. I don't know why. I mean, the Holy Spirit just takes me straight to Paul's letters. Apostle Paul, he wrote three quarters of the New Testament. And I try and do, you know, a little bit of reading here and a little bit. I've just read Revelations and I've done a little bit of Psalm reading, but I'm always defaulting to Paul's letters. And Paul wrote, yeah, three quarters of the New Testament. So a lot of his letter writing was done in prison. Um, what else do you do in prison but write a letter? Um, <laughs> um, so he, he wrote lots of letters and most of his letters were done in prison. He was in the most disgusting um, environment. I mean, it wouldn't be like our prisons today. Those prisons would have been pretty disgusting. But the joy in him, you know, he couldn't contain himself because he had this full revelation of what God had done and he just couldn't stop writing to the church. And so for the last three years, I've just been immersed in what Paul has been writing. I keep going to the New Testament. Oh my goodness, this is so big, you know? So Christian growth and maturity is really about discovering. It's becoming aware of the true self in Christ, not becoming it. Okay, you get it? Okay, so Christian growth and maturity is about discovering. It's becoming aware of the true self in Christ, not becoming it. All right? Wow. Like he's already made us that. Uh-huh. All right? Wow. Yeah. Jesus has done it all. All right? Whoa. You do not have to make your Christian walk hard. No more striving. No more works mentality. Wow. You are not working hard to get more of God. I've been down that path. I nearly destroyed myself. <laughs> um, wow. The responsibility and the weight I had on top of me, it, it wreck, nearly wrecked me. Um, and, and thankfully that day God swept in and rescued me and pulled me out and delivered me. I won't go into the story, but he, it was a major deliverance. And so I really, really want to teach people to stay away from that. You know, it is when you read Paul's letter in Galatians, he said, do not touch that gospel, that false gospel. He said it's cursed and it is because I've been down that path and I know. Um, I can only share it from my, my life, what, what, I've, what I've experienced. Do, 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 let me see what else we can say. Okay, let's touch on this. So we've woken up, right? So this rebirthing is like this big wake up. We've just woken up out of our slumber. We've come out of the dark. It's like someone, you know when you've been woken up out of your sleep, someone shakes you, yeah? So the Holy Spirit, right, he's shaking you, right? Wake up, wake up, get out of your slumber, get out of your slumber. Come and see the light, come and see what I've done, right? So you, now you've had this rebirth, you've 
woken up, you're aware, oh my goodness, look what you've done, Jesus. You've done it all. You are amazing. You know when we worship God in church, sometimes you just got to do a jig, don't you? Yeah. Because some of those songs that you sing, the joy that just rises up in you, yeah. you can't help but just do a little jig. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do a little jig, you know. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, what, was it? what was I saying? Yeah, so you've woken up, right? Now, you're probably thinking, like I've just been speaking for a while now and I've said that like all our sin has been cancelled. Um, we are now joined with Christ. We have been totally forgiven. We've been reconciled back to the Father. We are a new created person. But you're probably thinking in your mind, but why the gap? So the spiritual reality mm. over here is I'm totally free. I am, I am totally forgiven. My past, my future, my present sin has all been cancelled. I am not under the law of spirit. Uh, sorry, under the law of um, sin and death. Um, I am a new creation. But over here, I can't see it. Do you understand? There's a, the, the, do you see the gap? Yeah. Right? Okay. So, um, the gap is real. Um, uh, there... The, Paul tells us in um, Ephesians, actually, in one of his letters, he says, you need to reckon the old man dead, all right? That, that used to be your ways. You used to live in the dark. You came from the first Adam, right? The old man came from the first Adam. You were born into sin. You were born into darkness. I pulled you out. I demonstrated my love for you. I pulled you out of that darkness. I put you into my kingdom of light. You now have to reckon that old man dead. I've told you that that man was crucified on the cross with me. It was buried and then I resurrected you as the true spiritual self. But when we reckon that old man dead and we try and put off that old man, right? We put it, Paul tells us to put off the old man, right? And we definitely have a reborn new spirit, but there's memories. There's memories of the old man, right? There's, um, there's pattern thinking of the old man. There's strongholds and wrong believing of the old man. Um, there is uh, habits of the old man, right? So as we journey with the Lord, um, who is our sanctification, he... He, the more we seek his truth, the more we press into the awareness of what God has done and the more we declare over our life the spiritual truths, the old man has to disintegrate. The, the thinking, the memories, the habits of the old man has to disintegrate. It's like the trees in the garden. You get to choose, right? You can choose the tree of good and evil, if you want to. And you can keep walking around with that dead man corpse, mm. if you want to. Mm. Or you can choose the tree of life, mm. Jesus, mm -hmm. and think about things from heaven of who you really are. Now, I'm not dismissing what we go through. Like, if you're going through something right now, I, I don't, I'm not gonna dismiss it. I mean, because like things like anxiety and depression and uh, mental health, Ill illness and anger and rage and bitterness and jealousy and, you know, all those things of the old man and, and the consequences of sin, they're real. You know, like I'm not going to dismiss that. Oh, no, you're not going through that. Um, you're a new creation in Christ. Those things aren't real. Well, technically, they're not real because it's not really you. But because you've got these memories and habits and, and wrong thinking and strongholds that might be going on in your life, because the, remember how the enemy comes to attack our identity? Yeah. Remember I told you at the beginning how he tries to attack our identity and put doubts in us? 
right? That's why Jesus didn't fall into temptation because he knew who he was. His father declared, you are the beloved son of God. And he knew his father. And this is the key that I said at the very beginning. This is the key of us overcoming ourselves and overcoming the enemy and being the true self that we are. It's knowing who God is and what he has done for us and it's knowing who we are in him. Um, but sometimes we get stuck and so we might need inner healing. We not, might need prayer ministry. We might need deliverance and that's okay. I've been to all those things. Um, when I was in my 20s, um, oh my goodness, I was such a warrior. I would worry about everything. I would even make up things in my head that could go wrong and 9.5 out of 10 times they never went wrong but I would worry I would be anxious sometimes it would actually paralyze me thinking <gasps> you know so I understand personally worry and fear and anxiousness but that's not part of the new me that's the old man that was the old man thinking I didn't know who I was I didn't understand and so there was times when I had to get counsel there were times when I had to get inner healing. There was times when God actually had to rush in and, and deliver me. Um, and, and, if you, and if those are things that you have to go and do, that's fine. Go do them. But when you go and get ministry, it's, don't think that you're going to ministry to get healed, right? Don't think that the person who's walking you through ministry is going to get you healed, right? You go to ministry because the counsellor or the ministry staff member, whatever, is helping you to realise that you are healed, mm. right? Yeah, yeah. It's, they're breaking off strongholds over your life that the enemy has put in to rob you wow. and to steal from you and to destroy your identity, all right? So these things are real. All right? I'm not going to dismiss them and go, I'll oh, get over it, you're the new man. Right? These things are real. Okay? People can be paralyzed with fear. People can go through such depression. People can have mental uh, illness that is quite severe. I have sat with people who um, have gone through major addictions. You know, and, so, and I've sat through a couple of people who have been in major depression. There's no way I'm going to go up to someone and say, oh, that's not real, you know. No, these are real things that they're facing. But there comes a point when we've got to declare over our lives what Christ has done. The Lord never intended any one of us to be stuck in our past. And look, we've all had family origins and... A lot of the times they haven't been good and people have hurt us, people have failed us, people have been nasty, people have robbed from us, people have abused us. Um, if I went around the room, I could hear all different stories. But God never intended us to be stuck in our past. Mm. In fact, the word of God tells us that we are actually overcomers. Mm. And... Um, if we need to be set free and we need another believer alongside us to help us to break down those strongholds, so be it. That's beautiful, you know. But make sure that you're not going to ministry to get healed. Make sure you're going to ministry to say, you know, I'm healed, but I can't see it yet. I don't understand. I just have that stronghold. I just don't know why I'm thinking like this. Um... I think I've talked for a lot now. I think I might stop because um, oh, let me just finish off with this lovely verse. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.16 But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we have wrong thinking. Stinking thinking. <laughs> Sometimes we don't think we, you know, we're thinking things that are really opposed to the truth of Christ. And um, all we have to do really is just turn to Jesus. We've got this beautiful Holy Spirit who, who loves to father us. You know, He counsels us, counsels us through things. 
you know. He will just speak words at beautiful times into our lives. And just allow yourself to be fathered by the Lord. And just turn to him in those times when you're stuck. And say, Jesus, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't get it. Or I don't understand. I don't understand why I've had this habit. I don't know why I'm thinking like this. It's like this broken record going around in my, I don't know why I'm paralyzed with fear. Can you, can you teach me? Can you show me? And also use the word. Start declaring over your life, you know, who you really are. It's amazing. The word is, is powerful. There's a beautiful verse um, in Isaiah that says, when you speak the word out, it never comes back void. Like the word over your life. I declare things over my kids. I declare things over my family and my household. When the word goes out, it makes, it performs, it does things, you know. So use the word, you know. The word works. <laughs> it's Jesus. <laughs> so um, that's it. I hope you've got something from it. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the foundation I wanted to set. I really wanted to set that foundation. Um, next week, we're going to do a little bit more practical stuff about what does that look like in our lives. So, like, we're going to talk about our sonship, you know, like we're now in a different kingdom. We've been taken out of the world. We're in a different kingdom. We're sons. We're priests. We're kings. What does it look like in real life? Um, we're going to talk about the orphan spirit and... Um, there's a few other things I want to talk about too. I'm going to get um, lovely Holly to give us a testimony about her life. Um, and also, we as um, in the leaders group, when we're going through this course, should I shut this down? No, keep going. Keep going? Okay. Um, we in the leaders group, um, we did a, a survey. It's called the Prince and Pauper Test. Whoa. And um, it's, it, it, this is the directions. We are sons and daughters of God himself. Therefore, we are princes and princesses, not paupers. The test, so we're true, true created beings, we're not false. The test is designed to give you an idea of how you are, going, are doing in carrying yourself like the saint that you are. For this test to be beneficial, it's necessary for you to be honest with, with yourself as you can be. So answer the questions in a way that reflects who and how you are on an average day, not on the best or the worst day of your life. So on an average day, okay? And it's got a scoring guide which you can look at and just slowly go through it. Don't overthink it, just, just answer it, all right? Don't overthink it, you know the answer. Um, and then bring that back next week. Now, when you do the test, you have to add up numbers at the back. And it will kind of give you a guide of are you thinking like a prince in the kingdom or are you thinking like a pauper with the orphan spirit in the kingdom? So it's a really good, look, it doesn't, like, with all these kind of things, don't overthink it. Like it doesn't define you, the whole, your whole of you. Like it's, it's just to be used as, wow, I actually need God. I'm, Holy Spirit, I need you to father me in this because I'm just not getting it. Yeah. Right, so use it as a um, something that can really help you mature in your Christian walk. All right, so if you get a really bad score and you're really like, oh my goodness, I'm a five on a pauper, <laughs> don't, don't, don't freak out. Don't freak out. It's, it's okay. There's no right or wrong. It's just where you are at this moment. And it's just your understanding. That's all it is. So I want to hand those out and we can, we, can, we can do that. We can go through them next week and understand why, what is an orphan spirit, what is a pauper and that kind of stuff. Yeah, could you just pass them out? Yeah. yeah. Huh? The lovely Ben. The assistant Ben. Um, anyway, so to finish off, is there any um, questions that you want? Anything that's kind of, kind of yes, Nathan? Yeah. Um, my question for you is, you're saying 
you find it very difficult, or you have found it very difficult over the years to not fall into that striving mentality because you've been so burnt by it, mm -hmm. how do you personally navigate the question of how do I pursue God and seek God and see the kingdom first and seek all the things from the kingdom and all those things that are very active and disciplined and stuff without making sure you don't fall back into that yeah. mentality. Yeah. Just asking for your personal okay. experience. Like, I was like, thinking about that yeah, because yeah. I thought, how am I going to share this lie that had been over my life? Okay, so if I hear someone say to me, Janine, you need to do this, this and this to get more of God. I know, no, 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 no. no. I, I, like I read out Colossians 2, yeah. like the full, fullness of God is within me. I just need to wake up and be aware of the fullness of God in me. I can't attain, I can't be master of my spirituality. The minute I become a master of my spirituality, I've set up an idol mm. in my life. So when I start to hear things like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, um, to obtain something, I know to stay away from it. But that's why I wanted to bring in the spiritual disciplines. Yes, we need the spiritual disciplines. They're beautiful. But it's not to obtain something. It is to grow in Christ. It's to grow in that love relationship. So I think... Whenever I feel, I can, I can sense it now. I can feel it. I can feel the weight on me. And I, I can sense condemnation when it comes on me. I can feel it. So I think it's just walking in with God in it. And like there's been a couple of times since where um, I met with someone and they were sprouting up all this Christian stuff. And... And I don't, look, I don't think the person was meaning to do it, but the way I was taking it in caused a, an oppressive weight on me. And after I finished the coffee with the person, I was driving down Forest Way to go home and I felt sick. I, my other friend was with me and I was doing this on the seat like this. I, I, I couldn't, I wanted to run. I wanted to get out of that coffee shop and run. And my friend's looking at me going, would you behave? Like, she's looking at me like, behave yourself. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like this. Like, and, and it, look, the person who was speaking to us probably didn't understand what she was doing. And I don't judge her or, you know, put anything on her. But what, what I, how I was receiving it, it was putting, it was just putting this oppression on me. And um, I'm, I'm going home and I'm driving down Forest Way and I'm saying to the Lord, I feel sick. I said, what is this? I feel, I feel like I'm just carrying a big, massive big weight. He said, you're under condemnation. Yeah. I said, God, get it off me. Get it off me straight away. The minute I said, God, get it off, um, the minute I had his peace again. So I think when, as you recognize it and as you walk through it, mm -hmm. you start to go, whoa, no, no not touching that again yeah. I've been on the hamster wheel I know what the hamster wheel feels like mm. Mm. you know I, I also there's a and I've had to work through it in all my years of life I have this default thing in me in the old man which was a people pleaser and I've had to um, ask the Lord to heal that in me as well so that kind of I'm when when the old man in you is so much, so much of a people pleaser, it's so easy for you to get under it yeah, and be in the hamster. Because you just want to please everybody. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> so I don't know if that answers your question. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that's just, another follow-up question. If yep. that's right, though. If that, let's say God, obviously you've grown so much in this whole topic. Yeah. Let's say God spoke to you tonight and said, I want you to do a, a 10-day fast. Yep. Could you do it? like without getting back into that mentality or do you think it's like no nah, i still need to just sort of okay yeah. glad you brought up the fasting topic <laughs> <laughs> i've only fasted for three days that's all i fasted for but i don't know like i don't know enough about that spiritual discipline fasting mm. 
I've always seen myself in a season of feasting with the groom, like the, with the bridegroom. Like, like, I don't know. I mean, I understand why people do it, like, but I haven't really practiced a lot of fasting in my life. Um, I always see myself, I, I always see, see it at the, I see the banquet table, you know, the spiritual banquet table. And I think, I feel like we're, the church is in the time of feasting, you know, like let's feast on Jesus, you know, because the bridegroom's here, you know, let's feast on him. So I, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask about the fasting. Yeah, I, I, um, okay, Bible reading, um, like a very intense, Come and seek me, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, yeah. How would you perceive that? Because that's personally that's where I get a bit stuck. Like, okay. Let's go intense. Let's go after this thing. I just know I'm going straight. Okay. So what? So when you when you go to do your Bible reading? Yeah. What's driving you? Me. Yeah. <laughs> what's driving you to read um, your Bible? What's motivating you? You see, like, see this, this to read your Bible yeah. is a good God thing, right? If you're a Christian and you don't read your Bible, well, I don't know, you're going to be a baby for a long time, you know? So to read your Bible is a good God thing, right? But what is your drive? What is your motivation to go to the Word? Is it because Jesus show me something like you know like what is yeah what is on your heart show me something show me something that i don't know father me father me holy spirit i don't understand this i get to a verse and i have no idea what it means right but it's not it's not you're not driven because you have to do it you're driven and i don't know if i don't even like using that word driven you want to do it because you, your eyes have been so opened that you can't help but come to know him more and more and press into him. Your eyes are so open that teach me more kingdom. Teach me your kingdom, you know? Um, yeah, so my question to you back would be what's driving you? What's motivating you? Yeah. And then it say if like Mary said, oh, my motivation would just be to do it out of duty because I know it's like good for me. Would you say don't read the Bible then or do what? Yeah. Mm. what if it's not your motivation for like six months or yeah. something? <laughs> I think that's between you and God. Okay. I mean, you've got an active relationship with God. I wouldn't like to answer that one for you. I, I, I don't know. I. I'm really careful in saying, oh, no, don't read your word if you've got the wrong motivation. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I... Yeah. I, 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 I actually think that's between you and God. He'll, yeah. he'll tell you, you know, he'll... But um, sometimes... Look, I, I'm sure I've read the Bible out of wrong motivation. Yeah. Of course I have. Because I know God's showed me things that I've gone in with wrong motivation. Of course. Still, so. He still works. Know. Yeah. <laughs> It's still like he, 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 he's, he's on the journey with yeah, us yeah. and it's not for us to be condemned because we've got the wrong motivation. Yeah. It's like us to go, oh, well, let me learn through this. Mm. Let me understand what I'm doing here, you know? Yeah. I almost would say like, obviously what you said, but you ask God what you're supposed to do. But the first thing that comes into my like heart when, mm. with that is if you don't seek him you're probably not gonna really progress from that like yeah like i would say even if you're in the wrong heart like, yeah. acknowledge yes this is in the wrong heart but god i'm gonna seek you because you're yeah. the only one that's gonna fix that like yeah. i can't get it fixed unless you're the one yeah. that fixes it so i have to just seek you anyway yeah and trust that he yeah. will then correct your yeah. heart and your this is not meant yeah. to be a hard thing you know, yeah. even if our motivations and, and what's driving our lives is a little bit screw if, don't overthink things, mm. you know, like just relax, you know, just be at rest. You know, he, he, he just, he loves to 
to father us and he loves to show us things and look none of us you know all of us are, are getting taught and learn we're learning things along the way um, if you were to ask me all these different questions sometimes I can't even answer them because I don't know yeah. do you know what I mean? like so it's okay like just I don't think um, we have to you know though when you're under condemnation yeah. you know because it, it, it you have no joy you have absolutely no joy everything is is a duty I've got to turn up I've got to do this now I've got to do this Everything's an obligation. You are wiped of all joy. So you know when you're under condemnation. There is no peace in your heart. So, I yeah, I mean, don't, don't get too worked up with um, do I have the right motivation here or am I striving here? Just, I think the best thing is just give your life to the Lord and say, Lord, lead me. Lead me. Lead me into all truth. That's one of my prayers. I say, Holy Spirit, can you lead me in all truth? He does. He, he, he leads us on paths of righteousness, you know, for his name's sake, for his glory. So he's going to lead us on those paths of righteousness. So we, we just posture our hearts to him and we just say, Lord, lead me. Lead me in all truth, you know, lead me on those paths of righteousness. Yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Can you speak up, Jenny? I can't hear you, sorry. Like, when you were talking about spiritual warfare, and like, well, kind of, kind of spiritual warfare, but anxiety and all that kind of thing, how do you know, how can you identify when it really, like, it's a high, but also it can really make you emotionally just out, you know what I mean? Like, spiritually painful that you can't even talk most times. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So how can you tell what level of anxiety you're at? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm, I suppose anxiety is anxiety. I don't think it matters what level you're at. It's, it's something that you don't want in your life, you know, at all. You know, um, just give it to the Lord and ask him to heal you of anxiety and, um, you know, show you, you know, who you really are in him and, not be yeah I, I don't think i don't think levels of anxiety is a major concern yeah. because anxiety is anxiety and fear is fear and depression is depression like um yeah it's all all robbery it's all stealing from who you really are in christ you know so yeah just release it over to the lord and yeah is that is that what kind of is that kind of answer what you Want, Jenny? Pardon? Does that kind of answer what you were? Sort of. Sort of, yeah. Because, like, I definitely want to be free of it because I've had it for years. Yeah. And it's just like, it just really comes to my family and I, you know, I've only got to get out of my bedroom myself. Yeah. Yeah, well, we can pray with you and, yeah. Yep. Mhm. Mhm. Any more questions? Yes, yeah, James. Um, just with the when you're talking about being careful about the works doctrine, I mm -hmm. guess, could you? This might be backtracking a bit, but could you define what you mean by that? Because I've heard a few different definitions of the works doctrine. The works doctrine is um, kind of what I said in in my talk. It's um, you're working towards something, so you're working towards getting something right instead of being so the works doctrine is i must do this to get this yeah. right so if you read galatians right paul says to the church and he's really hard on the galatian church he said what the heck are you doing you started in faith you knew that by faith you have been saved by grace is that right yeah. yes mm. you started that way now why have you flipped 
the coin and are working towards your salvation. Do you understand? Yeah. So Apostle Paul was furious with the church, right? Because um, they had started to get themselves into the pattern of legalism, of doing this and doing that because they wanted to be more holy, right? So it was their, their kind of, um, it was their, their performance in air. Is that, is that kind of answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. it helps because I was just wondering yeah. about the distinction between like, you know, doing good works for the sake of... Oh, you know, no. Like we are to do good works. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. We are to do good works. That's what... Yeah, we are to love each other. We are to serve each other. We are to do good works. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I'm not talking about that. But we don't do good works to obtain our holiness. Yeah. Like I'm... We, can, we can't add to our salvation. Yeah. yeah. The salvation has already happened. Yeah. <laughs> we, we're, we're here. We've arrived. We're here. We're in salvation now. Like, he's done it all. We do good works because we love the Lord and we love people. Yeah. You know? So it comes out of a position of love, not I have to do this. To, I have to tick this box to get this. Yeah. 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 Oh, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, if you don't have love, you're a clean symbol. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about that other verse when um, in the Gospels, when they come up to Jesus and they say, well, we healed in your name. We prophesied yeah. in your name. Yeah. And Jesus goes, well, I didn't know you. Yeah. <laughs> Go away. Yeah. And I think what Jesus was saying there was, um, these people were in that works thing and really didn't know Christ and what he had done for them. So they got themselves into that. But I did this and I did this and I did this. So I've ticked all these boxes. So now I deserve. What? I didn't, I didn't know you. Go away. I, I didn't know you. You didn't know me. I didn't know you. You know? So, yeah. It's a big thing in the church. It's, um, see, see, the Lord wants the church to mature. You know, that's from glory to glory, from line upon line, precept upon precept. That's the journey that we're on, right? And, and, it, and we, we, the church is rising up into this mature bride. And we have to, to mature in Christ. We have to understand what he has done and who he is because that is what you're sitting in that is what that's what you're meshed into because you and Christ are one you're one flesh so everything of Jesus flows through your life it's beautiful it's a bit like the vine and the branches yeah. that beautiful yieldedness yeah yeah.